And Pastor Jeff had been alluding to this um, new series that he wants to start, and I'm kicking it off. Um, and it's that a series about worship. Um, and I think by now everybody knows my passion. Um, I love worship. I love, and maybe that's why I get a bit crazy when I'm leading worship. You see me, my daughter, Indy, constantly says to me, Mom, why are you jumping? You're going to come back down. Every time I come back down, she's like, why were you jumping? You're going to be hurting just now. Why? Why, why did you have to be so like, <laughs> you know, extra? Well, God's extra towards me. You know, if I, I'm not even being extra. David was extra. But I'm not being extra. I'm just... Listen, when you're in the presence of God, there's nothing that can compare to that. And I'm not just talking about corporately. And don't get me wrong, I love corporate worship. It just does something to my inside. I love being with other like-minded people, people who are so yearning for God's glory and for his presence. I love being in corporate worship. But there's also something that happens when you and God, it's just you and God, the intimacy that that brings. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this morning, and I hope you are too. Yeah, <laughs> that's because you're not doing it. <laughs> so let's just pray before we start. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've promised that your word does not return to you not accomplishing the things that you sent it forth to do. And so, Lord, this morning we come and we just pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the words that come out of my mouth will bring fruit. Lord, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice will know that you are God and that you're worthy and that there is none like you, and that there is none that can compare to who you are because you are God. Father, we just pray your blessing over the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I was like really happy when I saw all the songs that Phil was um, singing this morning because I was like, yay, this ties really nicely into my message. And I've named it, I've termed it Made for Worship. We've done that song this morning, um, the third song, I think it was. Um, and it talks about, you know, the, we were made for worship. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. You know, worship, it takes the focus off of us and focuses our attention on God. It focuses our attention on him, on who he is, on, the, on his might. It focuses our attention on his power. It focuses our attention on his majesty. You know, sometimes we talk about God and not, we so, it's like I'm talking about Romeo, I'm talking about Pastor Jeff, and, and it's like, hold on. Yes, God has allowed us to have that kind of relationship with him, but sometimes we need to step back and be like, Wow. The glory, the majesty of who God is. Because he could never be compared. We say, yes, God is love. And we forget that it's not the kind of love that you and I have. The love that God is, our minds cannot comprehend it. It means that his love and he as love is incomparable. 
So this morning is what I want us to just stop and step back and refocus and know that the person that we worship is far, far greater than sometimes we give him credit for. Are you with me? Worship is not about um, what God has done for us or what he can do. And we need to say thanks for the things he's done and thank him for the things that he's going to do. But worship, worship is about God, his being. I thank God for saving me. I thank God because I have proven him to be a provider. I have proven him to be a healer. I have proven him to be a protector. You know sometimes when you're walking down the road and you just have this inkling, do you know what? I wouldn't take this road. I would take this road. That's God protecting. You know? Sometimes we're just like, oh, I've got a gut feeling. And I think I spoke about this a couple months ago. There's no such thing as God's gut feeling for Christians. That's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You know? That's God protecting us. So I've proven him as a protector. I've proven him as a deliverer. And I thank him because he is. But I worship him because he's God. Are you getting that? Okay, and it's all right. Talk to me because I like that. Yeah? 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 Yes. <laughs> yeah, so worship is about the fact that he is God and he is the only one that is worthy of our worship. Nobody else. It's just him. Isaiah 43 and verse 7, it says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. So why were we created? For God's glory. How do we give him glory? By worshipping. In that same um, chapter later on in verse 21, it says, This people have I formed for myself. They shall bow, out, sorry, they shall show forth my praise. This people have I formed for myself. They shall declare some um, translation says it. They shall show forth my praise. They'll declare my praise because they're mine. They're my people. That's why we were created. Revelation 4 and 11 says, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, and in some translations it says, for your good pleasure were they created and they exist. We were created for God's good pleasure. Isn't it amazing that God delights in us? He delights in us. These scriptures clearly show that we were created for this and that our worship to God is central to our relationship with him. 
you can't have a relationship with Christ. You, you, honestly, you just you can't tell me, oh, I've got a relationship with Christ, but I don't worship him. It just doesn't add up. I like math, and things have got to add up. And that doesn't. Because you cannot have a relationship with anyone, and there's no communication. And worship is us communicating to God how we feel about him, how we feel about the person that he is, how he is so beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words. The Hebrew word for worship, I hope I get this right, it's not a very long word, only two syllables, but I'm, I learned English, it's my first language. <laughs> so, it says, it is S-H-A-C-H-A-H. So I don't know if that's shakar or the shah, but I'll spell it, and if you're making notes, you can write it. S-H-A-C-H-A-H. And it means bow down, to prostrate oneself. That's the Hebrew word for worship. That's quite specific, isn't it? I think it's very self-explanatory also. And I want us to look at that in a bit. But first, I want us to look at the first place in the Bible where worship is first mentioned. And I think they call that the area of first mention. Right. So in Genesis chapter 22 from verse 3 to 10, it says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. So Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac said to Abram, his father. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to paraphrase this now. It's like, Dad. And Abram was like, yeah, I'm right here, son. And he said, look, we got fire, we got wood. It's like, but I ain't see no sheep. I ain't see nothing for a burnt offering. He's like, what's happening? And, they, and Abraham's like, well, if you grew up in a Christian home, right, this is something that you would always have heard your parents, God will provide. <laughs> oh, that's the one thing that stuck in my head. My mom was always like, oh, yeah, God will provide. And basically, that's what Abraham said to Isaac. It's okay, son. God will provide. And, you know, Isaac, quite trusting, he's like, all right. And Abram's like, let's carry on. Poor Isaac, eh? <laughs> Had no clue. <laughs> and then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abram built an altar and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac. What was, what was going through Isaac's mind at this time, though? 
his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now we all know God provided a ram, so Isaac was safe. But this is the first place in the Bible that mentions anything about worship. And I want, it was just Abraham, Isaac, and God. Now, I want you to see here that sometimes worship requires a sacrifice. Abram didn't say to his servants that, hold on, I'm just going to go up here and make a, a sacrifice with Isaac. That's not what he said. He said, you stay here, and I'm going to take Isaac, and we're going to go and worship. Sometimes our worship requires a sacrifice. And one of the things that I, found, I, I looked at while I was preparing this message is the fact that in the Old Testament especially, a lot of the times when worship is mentioned, we see there's a constant bowing down and worship. A bowing down and worship. Let's look at Second Chronicles 7 and 3. It says, when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, his steadfast love endures forever. In Psalm 90, 95 and verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Can you see a pattern here? In Exodus 4.31, it says, So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel, and that he had seen their affliction, they then bowed down low and worshipped. Going back to 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 18, says, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Israel fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. Now there's a pattern there of bowing down and worshipping. Bowing down and worshipping. Psalm 29 and verse 2. It says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. One of my favorite psalms, I think it's because I was, I, I was made to learn it. Um, I think I was in school at the time. <laughs> and they were like, yes, you will learn Psalm 148. And it's the, the psalm, I remember this psalm so well. 
And from Psalm 148, from verse 5 to 13, I'm just going to read this. It says, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruits and fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowls, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and virgins, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted and his glory is above the earth and heaven. David basically included everyone and everything in this. There isn't a, maybe I can get away with not worshipping. Maybe it wouldn't look so bad if I don't worship. You're included in that one, Psalm 148. All of us are included. He even talked about winged fowl. It's the birds of the air. The fowl. Let's not think about the fowl because I might get hungry. <laughs> yeah. But you're all included. We're all included in this. We're all included. And when you think back about the Hebrew meaning of worship, it's quite simple when you think about it. Because it's saying, I am laying down all that I am and all that I have in the presence of his glory to lift him up. I am laying me down to lift him up. It's when I place him above everything else in me and around me. That's, some, that's why sometimes we would encourage you to just think about just you and God. That's why we would sometimes encourage you to just forget about everything else around you. Because you're laying it all down. Because the things of this world cannot stand in the presence of God. They cannot stand in the presence of God. And that means there is no me. When I come to worship, when you come to worship, there's no me. There's no you. There is nothing, no self, nothing present except for the presence and the glory of God. That speaks of humility. Because there's no me. It means that the only, only thing and the only person I can see is him. The only person I can see is him. So I want us to just pause a bit. And simply ask ourselves, what's our heart position? Given the fact that we've just learned the Hebrew meaning of the word worship, to bow down, to prostrate, 
what's your heart posture? And I'm asking myself, oh, I've had to ask myself over the last week or so, especially, what's my heart posture? Is my heart and is your heart prostrated before God? No agenda, no nothing. Is my heart prostrated before God? What's your heart position? And a lot of the times when we think of questions like these, we start thinking, oh, have I done anything or have I... Sometimes it's not even about, have you done anything? It's not. Because <laughs> life goes on around us. We're right in the middle of it. It's not anything that you've done. But life is going on around you. And sometimes we can get affected by that. And this is me talking from experience now, right? So... Lean it bare before you. So you come to church, and you know you're going through some stuff, and you come because you were Christian, and and back then I, I probably felt like this is where I need to be, and yeah, I'm coming and I'm doing, you know, I, hi everybody, you're all right, and, but life is going on around you. And you're not saying anything to anyone, and you're not doing anything, and you're like, yeah, but your heart is hurting, right? And you're coming because in your mind, I need to be there because, God, I need you. And you're like, God, I need you to come through for me today. You know, I, I was in some quiet time, and you didn't come through for me then. Come on, you know you have these, these conversations with yourselves. Am I the only one? Okay, well, all right then. Um, <laughs> but you know you do when you're like, hold on, you know, I've been, pr I've been praying and fasting and I ain't see anything yet. But I'm going to go to church and you know when the pastor's preaching, just kind of give him a word so that what he says, it could drop into my heart and then I could know exactly that year is, is going to be all right. Okay, if you've never done that, then I have. Sorry. But you come in and you're like, everybody are praising and worshiping and everybody's raising their hands and you're in the middle of worship and you're like, oh, I, I, God, I really want to worship you, but I don't know how this is going to, you know. And then you start doubting because you're wondering, do I have any faith? Because you're in the presence of other people and I'm like, I'm doubting God here. I'm doubting him. So you start doubting your faith, and you're like, don't really want to lift my hands, because am I being hypocritical if I lift my hands and worship? Because I'm going through stuff. But even in this, even when you're going through that stuff, and you're wondering about your faithfulness or lack of faith, it doesn't change the fact that God is worthy of worship. He is still to be praised. So what do we do? We worship. 
Remember what I've just said. Sometimes worship requires a sacrifice of us. I remember um, probably 20, oh, I can't remember how long ago it was, but some of you would have known Jerusha's husband. Jerusha used to be part of our congregation. And I remember the weekend her husband died. It, it just, it, it sent shock waves through the entire Vincentian community. And I remembered, I saw Jerusha the Sunday morning. She came to church the Sunday morning before church started. Um, I guess she felt she needed to come and make sure us, <laughs> that we were okay, the other Vincentians. Because she didn't cry. She didn't do anything. I was the one that was breaking down. And she, I remember her saying to me, Romans 8, 28, all things work together. I was like, God, what is going on? I'm the one that's supposed to be comforting her. But she's there comforting me. And honestly, I was leading worship that Sunday morning, and I really didn't know how I was going to do it. Did I want to lead worship? Looking back, I have no clue what I was thinking then. But I got up and I led worship. That is one of the first times I actually understood as an adult, what sacrificial worship was. It's because you know in the season that you're in that God's got you. And it does not change the fact, no matter what I'm going through, it does not change the fact that God is worthy. It doesn't change the fact that he delights in my praise. It doesn't change the fact that he still wants to have that communion with me. Because God does not change dependent on my feelings. It requires a sacrifice sometimes. Romans eleven thirty six tells us, and I, I looked this up in the Impassion Translation. It says, for out of him, the sustainer of everything, came everything. And now everything finds fulfillment in him. May all praise and honor be given to him forever. Amen. And then we're going to go on to chapter 12 and verse 1. We all know this one. It says, beloved friends, what should our proper response to God's marvelous mercies be? To surrender ourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices, and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Do you know that God's an expressive God? Sometimes we think of God as this really big being somewhere up there in the sky and he's looking down and he's this stoic figure looking. The eyes of the Lord is watching, watching for me to do something that's wrong so he could be like, you've done that wrong. Or he's watching to see, ooh, she needs some help today. I shall go and help. Oh, God's not this. 
Do you know why the Holy Spirit came? The Holy Spirit came for us to be able to have direct contact. He's living on the inside. How much more direct can you get? How much more direct contact can you get? Direct contact with the Father. God's an expressive God. Look at creation. All of creation tells me just how expressive God is. Just how passionate he is. And so he desires that we're just as expressive and creative. He desires that we just... The Bible tells me that... Okay, so go back to Genesis with me. And it tells me that... I'm just paraphrasing here now, right? It tells me that God was there in the beginning, before time, before anything else existed. And he looked about and he was like, okay, I'm going to start doing what I wanted to do, which is create. So he decides, right, on this day I'm doing this. And at the end of the day, he said, it, the Bible tells me, he looked at it and he thought, that's good. That's good. He was pleased with what he'd done that day. And every day, he was like, yeah, that's good. That's good. And then it came that he decided, he looked at all that he'd created and he was like, you know what, that's good. But I'm going to do the next part of my creation that culminates this entire thing. And what was the next part of his creation? Man. See, God could have been satisfied and decided, I'm just going to leave it here because all of creation sings the praises of God anyway. But he knew that the only thing that would give him and delight his heart was to have that communion with us. So, here you and I are. Now, it says that he formed man. And remember at creation, God spoke. The, in some, um, I think in like the, the King James Version and the New King James Version, it says he commanded and they were created. He spoke, let there be, and there was. The Bible didn't go on to tell us that he had to breathe life into the animals. He didn't have to breathe life into the trees, did he? Mm. But it goes on to say that when he had created man, he breathed the breath of life. Do you know what? You, we've just literally just saw, um, sang this song. It's your breath. And sometimes I wonder if we actually realize that what we are saying is truth. It says, it's your breath in my lungs. So that the breath that you've breathed into me, I'm now going to use that breath to pour out my praise on you. Are you getting this? The breath that I have in my lungs is the breath that God chose to breathe into me because it's the level of intimacy that he desired with us. 
So he first breathed his breath into us. And then what did he do? He then sent his Holy Spirit to reside on the inside of us. Listen, there is nothing God desires more. It says we were created for his good pleasure. He delights in our praise. He delights in our worship. And, you know, we talked about earlier on about, you know, your heart's position. You know, sometimes, and sometimes we, we would encourage you from stage to lift your hands and worship. We've just read in the Bible, they were commanded to lift their hands. And, and when you, a command is like, come on, you know, lift your hands. We, we, we ask and we encourage you to lift your hands. And sometimes, so I could lift my right arm that way, this high. And I could lift my right arm that way, that high, without pain. I could lift this arm wherever and however. So sometimes it's mobility issues, sometimes but when you're able-bodied and you and listen and we still lift your hands and worship, do you know the Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice? To obey is better than sacrifice. We encourage you to lift your hands. You lift your hands and you worship. You may not be able to lift it very high. But you lift your hands and worship. Nothing happens sometimes unless we open our mouths. Nothing happens sometimes. I remember in 2007, my dad died. I've probably shared this before. But my dad died. And I was doing faith works at the time, um, the second year of faith works. And every year at the end of each year, we would have a um, worship night. Uh, and I was like, oh, do I go, do I go, do I go, do I go, do I go? And my dad had been, my dad had already passed a, a few months, maybe three or so months, maybe a bit longer. But, yeah, and, oh, my heart was hurting. My heart was, honestly, my heart felt like somebody just was just slowly tearing it apart, like not even cutting it. They were just slowly tearing it apart. And I could feel every jagged edge they were making with that tear, and it was hurting Hurting, hurting. But I went. Um, and Pastor Andy was there. And Matt Lockwood was leading worship at the time. And he was leading worship. And I was just, you know you go through the motions? Come on. Is it me? Is it just me? Nobody else does. Okay. Right. So I was just going through the motions at the time. And like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and something shifted, and Pastor Andy took the microphone, and he said, he said, there is someone in here, you've lost your joy. He said, and I can see you've got two doves on your shoulders, and those doves are just waiting for you to open your mouth and to start worshiping. He said, but unless you open your mouth and worship, you will leave here the same way you come in. You came in with that heavy heart and that heaviness on your shoulders. I was there and I was like, mm -hmm. 
You know when you're wondering, you know the person is talking to you, right? For those of you that have ever been in a meeting, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, you know the person's talking to you, but you're like, I wonder if that's for me. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, I wonder if that's for me. I was like, you know what? It can look bad. Because <laughs> I'm doing faith works. Do you know, you go through that motion, don't you? I was like, yeah. So... I thought, I'm going to lift my arms, because Matt had the time he was encouraging people to lift their arms and worship. So I lift my arms, and I didn't open my mouth. I just lifted my arms. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, because you know you go through this thing where you're praying in your heart? You don't, don't you do that? Don't you just be like, yeah. You know, I was worshipping in my heart. Well, you know, I was lifting my arms. And then I thought, you know what? What could I lose? So I opened my mouth. And just the action of opening my mouth, I was laughing for the entire night. I was on the floor laughing, just laughing, just laughing. I got up and I was like, I looked up and there was a song playing and I looked at Matt Lockwood and I thought, what a funny man. <laughs> I was just laughing. I remember um, Claire, Claire Lawton had given me a lift to come home and she was like all the way in the car coming over, you're still laughing. But guess what? Because I eventually, and I have said sorry to God, because I should have opened my mouth initially. But because I opened my mouth and obeyed the command to open my mouth and worship, guess what? I can truly say the joy of the Lord is my strength. So sometimes it's not just that things are happening around you and there is, it's, there's not anything that you've done to cause anything. But sometimes our heart position, the fact that we're like, well, and I've been in situations where you're like, well, do you have to always tell people to encourage? Well, I like because I like when I raise my hand, I like to encourage people to, because I know the freedom that it brings. But it's not just the freedom it brings. My Bible says they bowed down and prostrated themselves in worship to God. Now, we don't see people bowing down to worship these days when they're in the presence of Her Majesty the Queen and other sovereigns. The curtsy. I practiced that and it turned out all right. They curtsy. But then in some other cultures, they still prostrate themselves. In some cultures, they actually prostrate themselves to the elders. So like the grandkids would prostrate themselves to the great grandmas and gra the grandpas ex especially. They still do that. It's a mark of it. It just shows respect and you're honoring that person. So if those cultures could do that to mere men, what's going on with us? 
because I just don't like people telling me what to do. Sorry. Worship is a heart thing. Worship is a heart thing. See, God desires that our hearts are in communion with His. He's expressive. We should be expressive in our worship. God passionately made me. You know, David said, listen, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David was giving some love on himself, wasn't he? He's like, hey, look at me. Lord, I thank you. I wonder if he had mirrors then. I thank you. He's probably looking at Cohen. That's probably you, isn't it? <laughs> Ooh. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> I got warned this morning by Indy. She's like, please don't preach on us. <laughs> yeah, so I did it to Cohen instead. But God does not change depending on how we feel. Worship is not about emotions, though it sometimes engages our emotions. Because we were made that way with emotions. So it sometimes engages our emotions, but worship is not about our emotions. It shouldn't, and it does not, depend on our feelings. Because God still deserves our worship. His worthiness of being worshipped does not change depending on where we are and where we are in life, if we're up or if we're down, if we're down. There's a song that says, I have seen your goodness and you are the same God. Even when I'm in the valleys and it does not change when I'm on the mountain top. His worthiness. It does not change in line with how we feel. You see, is God still great? No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going through, is God still great? Is he still faithful? Is he still love? Is he still gracious? Is he still merciful? Is he still unfailing? Is he still unchanging? Is he still all-seeing? Is he still all-powerful? You see, there's no power on earth that comes anywhere close to God. You see, he is still worthy of praise, glory, honor, and adoration. He is still worthy of our worship. I've got a homework for you. I want you to go home and seriously ponder, oh, that sounds a bit, oh, ponder. It's probably because I've been reading the King James, New King James Version all week. <laughs> but go home and, and um, there, um, the Berians, whenever they heard something, they would go home and they would check it out to make sure it's true. That's what I want. I want us to be like the Berians. So go home today or sometime in the week and look this over. 
look, study worship, because I want us as a congregation to not just stay where we are in worship. I want to bask in the glory of God, not just in church, but I want to be able to do it in my closet. Closet's too small, so it's in my bedroom. <laughs> but I want us to be able to do that. I want us to be our worship should not follow our feelings. So I'm up today, so my worship is on fire. And something happens, and my worship goes down. And you know that line? Let's just say that there's that line, and your worship goes up, comes down, it meets the line, and then it drops below the line. And then something happens, and it goes up again. And it starts looking like, you know those heartbeats? Pregnant women, you know when they put that thing on your tummy, and they start showing you how the baby's heartbeat is going? And yeah. That's kind of how our worship sometimes would feel, and sometimes our worship would look like. But that's not what I want for us. I want for us to be on... Don't get me wrong... Things will happen and life goes on around you and things will affect maybe your mood, but our worship should not be affected. Because we're not worshipping something or someone that's changing. We are worshipping an unchanging God. We are worshipping a God who cannot change. The fact that he is God does not change because world events have changed him. The fact that he is God does not change simply because something happened yesterday that seriously got me. And I'm like, well, I'm worshiping you today because. Do you see what I'm saying? Again, what's your heart position? What's your heart position? Are you prostrated before God? Is your heart bowed before God? Is your heart bowed in reverence before him? You know, no one, nobody else has the privilege that we have because we serve a good God. No one else has that privilege. They might be like, well, my God is this and my God is that. Well, I'm sorry. My, I remember a few years ago, Pastor Jeff was like, well, my G-O-D is B-I-G. You know, kids, they're like, well, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. And my daddy could do this better than your daddy. Well, be like that about your God. Be like that about him. Because my G-O-D is B-I-G. Got that? Yeah, he is. Everybody else seems to want to brag on their God. Brag on your God. Listen, I brag on God to God. I brag on him to him. Because listen, he is. I'll be like, God, you know you're amazing? Well, yeah, he does. 
but I'm going to remind him how amazing he is to me. So for the, like, okay. So if I cook, I say if. <laughs> if I cook, don't be laughing or coughing there. Um, <laughs> and I'm just going to leave the kids out. Romeo, he's not here to defend himself. If Romeo says to me, this is really nice. Guess what? I go one cook again, and I might cook the same thing again. <laughs> because why? He literally just bragged on me to me. He just bragged on me to me. It makes me wanna. So when Indy says, Mom, this is really nice, even when I know it ain't nice, it makes me want to cook again and maybe tweak it. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have used her, you know. But what's stopping you from bragging on God? Do you know bragging on God is worship? What's stopping you from bragging on him? There should be nothing stopping you from bragging on him. Because remember, it's just you and him. Pastor Jane makes the best Oreo cheesecake I've ever tasted. The best apple crumble. Pat needs to figure out how to make a gluten-free apple crumble. Because I need one. But I've tasted their food, and their food's like really good. So I tell them, because I want more. <laughs> but they feel good about what they've done. They're like, you know what, yeah. I might try something else, and maybe she can't have this this time, but she can have this. Do you know what I mean? But you're bragging on them to them. You see, you, you, sometimes when we use words such as praise and worship, somehow, I think, I, I wonder whether it intimidates us. Because I'm like, I'm worshipping you, God. And maybe because it's not in our everyday language to say I'm worshipping, maybe that intimidates us. But worshipping God is just bragging on him. It's just giving him praise, isn't it? So I want you to start practicing bragging on him, to him. Practice it. When we come Sunday, we're going to be like, yeah, you know? But I want us as a congregation to go deeper and deeper in our relationship with God, in our worship of him, in the way we worship him. Because in the presence of the Lord, there is freedom. There is freedom. Is our hearts humbled before God? Is it open and laid bare before him? Or do we allow the cares of this world to take root in our hearts? And so we can't come to him with the pureness 
of worship that he desires. Because John 4, 23 to 24 says, and I feel like if I can't say anything about worship and this verse isn't in it, it says, but a time is coming and has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such as these to worship him. For God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that means that out of the pureness of our hearts, our spirit will have communion with his spirit. That's where true worship begins. Amen? Amen. Amen. We've got some prayer requests and some praise reports. You know, um, I really thought about what Pastor Stu said last week. We need to have more of these praise reports. So, don't think that there's anything too small to be a prayer request. Because we can't thank God along with you if we don't know what you're praying for. And it means we cannot pray alongside you if we don't know what you're praying for. So fill these in. Fill these in. So um, Marlo has got a chronic illness. Um, he's taking medication that's causing some complications. We want healing for that. I, I know how that is. So, Yeah. Um, we'll pray for that. Um, and that's, sorry, that's a prayer request and not a praise report. Um, for the continuing recovery of Stacy McCullough following a burst blood vessel on her lung. She's at home now, but she's still recovering. Um, and Tim and Caroline's grandson, Caden, he's developed alopecia. Um, and he's lost his hair. Um, and we want just for healing. Yeah? Right. So join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are the all-knowing and the all-seeing God. You are our healer. And so we stand this morning with not just these three prayer request, but for all the other requests that are in the hearts of your people that are present here. And Lord, we bring them before you. And we thank you, Lord, that your word does not return void. Lord, your word tells us that you were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you, and by your stripes we are healed. So we remind you of that word in the name of Jesus, and we seal it with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we say, thank you, God, that you've done it. It is not that, can you do it? Because your word tells us that 2,000 years ago, it was all done. It was all finished. So we claim it now and we walk into the manifestation of the healing that you're bringing forth in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you this morning for your word that has gone forth. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that it would take root. Father, that our hearts would align with you and the pleasure that it brings you when we worship. Father, may we experience afresh the communion with you that you so desire. May we come to the understanding that nothing changes you nor the fact that you are worthy to be, cha- to be praised. Nothing changes, even though sometimes our circumstances changes. Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we praise you, Lord, and worship you because you are God. Father, is there anyone who is here who does not know you? Lord, we bring their hearts to you. And even now, we ask that you work on it. Thank you, Lord. I just want to give anybody who's here for the, or who's maybe been worshiping with us and you've never made um, the decision. So just ask God to be your Lord, to be your Savior. I'd like to pray with you today. So if you can repeat these words after me. Dear Lord, thank you for loving me enough to die for me. Thank you for the promise of eternal life. Thank you that you've made a way for me to reign with you. I give you my heart because I want to have that communion with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, um, if you just, and you mean that with, you know, your heart, if you just raise your hand, um, with everybody else's head bowed, we can signpost you to the people that would be able to help you along with this journey. I know most people are in here, and so just want to give you the opportunity if you're here, maybe for the first time, or you've not yet made that decision. Okay, your Lord, Lord, your name is glorious. You are worthy to be praised. And so we go out this morning worshiping and praising your name and declaring your good works. And God, we declare today that this week would be a week where we would just brag on you. We would love on you because you are good and you are love and you are kind and you are merciful and you are gracious. And we're so thankful that we get to call you Lord and Father, Daddy God. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise today. Isn't he good?